Uh, tonight, we are going to be looking at the, the first commandments, which really focuses on no other gods. And before we delve a little bit deeper into what God's word has to say, let's, let's pray uh, quickly. Father, we, we come before you and we're thankful for, for this opportunity. Thank you for bringing each one of us into, into this room, maybe for different motivations, different reasons why people are here, but we're thankful that they're here and they're here to hear your word and that is no coincidence. Lord, as we, as we will see quite quickly, um, this, is, this is heavy stuff that we're going to be looking at and this is ultimately um, heart surgery before us. And I ask... Firstly, for myself and for everyone in, the, in this room and everyone who would listen to this on a podcast, that we would all lay down our, our defenses, that we would listen openly, and we ask that as, you, as only you can, that you would reveal yourself to us. God, we ask this in, in the mighty and the matchless name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Over 10 years ago, Channel 4 produced an absolutely glorious piece of television, television majesty. It was a TV show called You Are What You Eat. It ran from 2004 to 2007 and starred the one and only Gillian McKeith. Here she is, the, the Scottish babe. Uh, you may remember her from an infinite, infamous appearance on I'm a Celebrity back in 2010. She fainted live on television after she was chosen for a Bush Tucker trial, and that was 100% put on and faked. You probably have seen a meme or a gif about it. It's glorious YouTube. But anyway, You Are What You Eat as a, as, as a TV show was, was pretty crazy. Um, you would have, basically the format of the show would be individuals and couples who indulged in the odd takeaway or 12 would allow Gillian to come into their life for six weeks, and her job was to eradicate all their bad eating habits and create a healthier diet plan uh, for them. Uh, each person would start with the focal person or individuals boasting in their humongous diet, and then Gillian would enter the fray like an absolute grenade. This woman was fierce, and she would use shock tactics to scare people into changing uh, their eating habits. She would show, uh, the show would in include many pictures, which was just grotesque of tables avalanched in in chips burgers cakes fizzy drinks and to reveal to the person just how much actually they were eating often she would predict the the life expectancies of each person and reveal to them that if they continued to live and specifically to eat the way they did they did they wouldn't hit their next birthday um, and as much as that's kind of a sour note it was actually quite a humorous show and um, you can watch it on youtube um, and it was was quite funny but the, the title of that show you are what you eat really hits the nail on the head it's it's a good summary of that tv show but we all know that to be true in life. You don't need to be a doctor or a dietitian to know that if all that you eat is Big Macs or if you're able to ring up Domino's and they immediately know your voice, then things in relation to your health and arteries are not going too well. But what I want to talk tonight and what I believe God's word is telling us this evening through the, the very first commandment, instead of thinking about you are what you eat, I want to suggest to us tonight that you are what you love. You are what you love. 
If you want to really know who you are, what you cherish and value, how you're going to live your life, then just look at what you love. Before we go any further, I I think it's important for all of us tonight to really figure out what we truly love. You may be able to answer that question quite quickly, but that actually might be a difficult thing for many of us to answer. Maybe there's our loves are hidden to us. Maybe they're in our, our subconscious and we don't actually understand what we truly love and what we are truly living for. So here's a, a number of things I want us to consider so we can actually get a little bit closer to answering that question. So let's consider the following. What time, what, what do you spend your time on? What fills your day? What are the things you, you are consumed with? What really takes in the minutes and seconds that, that fill each 24 hours? Money. What do you spend your money on? Just check your, your bank account. See what you're investing your money in. Money always follows our passion. Jesus tells us in Matthew's gospel account that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You will spend money on what you love. Think about your imagination in in all seriousness. Actually, do what do you enjoy daydreaming about? What is the thing or the person that you're constantly thinking about? What occupies your mind? What is the first thing you think about when you wake up? And what is the last thing you think about before you go to sleep? Fourthly, what about your emotions? What makes you truly happy? Like what genuinely makes you happy? Who or what thing would you willingly stand up for? And on the flip side, what actually makes you angry? What really, really makes you furious? More practically, what about your social media? If I was to look at your Insta, if I was to have you on Snapchat, what would the story tell of your life from those photos? What would those pictures tell me about what you love? And you can go on your Instagram, you can go home, not now, please don't, do it after our time together and look at your Instagram, look at the photos and what are they, what, what is being communicated there? That will generally tell you what you're focusing on in life. And finally, if you're, if you're still stumped, what is the thing or person that if it was taken away from you, you would be completely crushed? Or what is the thing or the person that if you had you think life would be complete and you would be fully satisfied. It's crucial that we know what we love because what you love will control your life. If you love your family, you'll make time for them. If you love your sport, you'll make sure you're at every practice and available for every match. If you love educational success, you'll be committed to school and be well prepared for your exams. If you love fashion and style, you'll stay on top of the latest trends and make sure your your wardrobe matches that. If you love your boyfriend or girlfriend, you'll want to spend as much time as possible together and you'll want to treat them well and express your care for them. Now, now all of those examples, I want to make this crystal clear. None of what I've just said, they're not bad. They're not bad things in and of themselves. They're not evil. They're not inherently wrong. But what I do want to say to all of us is this. If any of those things And there's just a short list of things we could spend all night considering many, many other things. If any of those things become your God, lowercase g, that they become ultimate in your life, then something has gone wrong in your life. And I really, 
genuinely mean, that something has went wrong in your life. Very famous man, you may, may have heard him, he's the guy who's acknowledged for starting the Reformation. Uh, Martin Luther um, said these incredibly relevant words. He says that whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that, that really is your God. Confides is just the idea of secret trust, what's hidden within. Whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that really is your God. Whatever our hearts long for, or put another way, we could use this language and we will start to use this language. Whatever we worship is what we will become because what we worship is what we love. The question you and I need to ask ourselves is not do we worship, it is what do we worship. We all love and worship something. So what is it? What is it for you? What is it for me? Now, why is all of this important? And I, and I hope you're, you're getting a sense of why, why this is so crucial in our lives and how you will ultimately live your life. What we love is, is who we are. So if our love, our, our worship is, is not directed in the, in the right location, then we, ha- we have problems. What we have and what we, what we have done and what we are doing is we're loving and we're worshiping idols. We're loving and worshiping idols. Now, when you hear the word idol, please do not think carved image or some primitive tribe bound down to some man-made statue. Yes, that certainly happens, but that's not really what we're talking about. We need to think more accurately. We need to think along this, these lines. An idol is anything more important than God, capital G. An idol is anything more important in your life that you make primary than the God of heaven and earth. And the reality is, we all have them. I have them, and you certainly have them as well. We love to worship idols. We love to take something and try to get satisfaction from it. We put it at the top of our shelves. We love to create them within our hearts. And the Bible plainly tells us that the human heart is is just an idol factory, Your heart is a well-oiled machine that daily churns out idols, daily is looking to things to find hope, identity, satisfaction, and pleasure apart from God. In Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, God speaks and he's talking about the the leaders of Israel. Israel was, was his people, his chosen people. And he says this about the leaders of his people. He says that these men have set up idols in their hearts. These men have set up idols in their hearts. Not physical idols in some temple, but in their very hearts. God could see right through their motives. He could see their innermost desires of their hearts. He knew that they were not worshiping him, but something else. And we might be quick to go, well, that was back in those days, but we are just the same as those leaders thousands of years ago. So the human heart takes good things and turns them into idols. Good things like what we've just covered, family, love, friendship, material possessions, a successful career, school, and and we turn them into ultimate things. Uh, An an American pastor, Tim Keller, who's written a phenomenal book called Counterfeit Gods. If anybody has ever read it, um, well done. If you haven't read it, I'd very much encourage you um, to read it. It's phenomenal. He says this, our hearts 
deify them, that is idols. And once he says deify, that is make them like God as the center of our lives because, and this is the reason why we do it, this is the reason why you, each individual, this whole world is doing this, is that they, we think they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment if we attain them. Let me read that again. Our hearts deify these idols, them, as the center of our lives because we think we convince ourselves that they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment if we attain them. And that is, that is a lot of the roads that many of you here are walking along. But we just simply don't think like this. We look at the good thing and we think it's good and we don't think of it as an idol or has the possibility to become an idol in our lives. Our idols have the potential to turn us into Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Hopefully many of you have watched Lord of the Rings, great trilogy, great set of films. Gollum, to everyone in the film, seems like an innocent little creature who pops up from time to time. Yet deep down, and to those who are actually watching the film as the audience, he, he desperately craves something. He desperately craves the, the one ring. Gollum has seen the, the power of, of the ring, which is the focal point of the film, and he wants it. The ring has captivated his life. It has turned out to actually be his life. All his, all his life revolved around getting his hand on the ring again. If he could only have his, his precious, then he would be satisfied. Life would be fulfilled. But the problem with the ring is that whoever wears it becomes enslaved to it. And then they become addicted to it. And then they cannot fathom life without it. And that is exactly what idols will do and are doing to your life. We live as though we must have many things. We must have these idols, but in reality, they're just controlling our lives. They make us go to extreme lengths so we can get them. And if you know the story of how Lord of the Rings ends, spoiler alert, uh, Gollum gets the ring, but then dies getting it. But here's the, the problem. Our idols, these, these counterfeit gods, will always disappoint you. They are empty promises which will let you down. Look back to the quote above my head. We think they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment if we attain them. If we get our hands on them, if we reach that level of status, we, we get that boyfriend, girlfriend, we get to that university, we think life's going to be sweet once we get there. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And the sad reality is you may not realize this tonight, and you might not actually agree with anything that I'm saying tonight, and you may not realize what you are, are living for will, will disappoint you until you're 50, or maybe you might not realize it at all throughout this life. But one day, by God's grace, you will realize that idols that have been created in your heart have, been left, have left you feeling empty, tired, lonely, and frustrated. That's what they're going to do to you. If you decide to worship and follow your idol, whatever that may be, fill in the blank, you're placing an expectation, a burden on that thing or person that it will never, ever fulfill. Hear that plainly tonight. The worship of, of your heart 
was not designed for something created, but was in fact designed for the one who created you and is sustaining you this very moment. The next breath that you are taking, that you have taken, is grace from God. We've just read, Victoria read from us, um, the first commandment in verse 3 of Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the first commandment. It's not first because it's the most important, but because it is the foundation that the other nine are built upon. And maybe you read these words, and I sort of had a hint of it once I was looking at these words, and we think that's quite demanding from God. Why would I want to put God first in my life? Why would I want to worship and follow this God? And well, we might even think, well, this is written thousands of years ago. It's not relevant to us anymore. Also, you might just say to me once you read this, well, Henry, my life is actually going quite well so far. Things are are running smoothly. Why would I all of a sudden change and start to follow this this God that you're talking about? With with, with the rest of of our our time together, I want to propose to, to all of us that it is better to worship and follow God. So why is it better to worship the one true God above all else in your life as the first commandment says? Well, the first thing I want to say is that that you were hardwired to worship God. God created you. He knows you better than even you know yourself. God thought of you before you even opened your eyes, before you took your your first breath, or even before you thought of God or the possibility of a God. God thought of you. You will not know true life until you begin to worship God. If you're outside of the kingdom of God, and what I mean by that, if you're not a Christian, you're actually living outside of true reality. You're living somewhat outside of what is truth. You will not know true life until you begin to worship God for exactly who he is, because he is your creator. And it's better to worship God because you were created to do so. And in one sense, I could just do do the benediction, say amen, and we could all go our merry way. And that would be be reason enough that God is your creator and you should worship him. But the glorious thing is that that there is so much more. See, the context of the Ten Commandments comes to us in the opening um, two verses. It says this, and God spoke all these words. Note this is God speaking this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. As Scott told us last week, if you're here, God's people have received the Ten Commandments, not as a way to to earn God's favor, to to get a bit more merit so they can finally reach heaven, or that if they keep them, they 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 would be saved. No, they have received them as a response to God saving them. They were, they were in Egypt, which was a foreign land, and they are totally helpless. They're in slavery. They could do nothing to change their, their current situation. But God intervenes, and God saves them. You might know the story. He took them all through the Red Sea, parts the Red Sea, and he brought them to safety. He gives them their freedom once again. God saves his people God saves and he wants to remind them of that fact. He retells them of that story to motivate their their hearts. He's telling them, trust me, you can trust me. Look what I, remember what I did for you. Remember the miracle, remember how much I loved you and saved you. You can trust me. But God did not choose them as, as his people and he didn't, he certainly did not save them because of how great or worthy they are. It was actually quite the opposite. 
See, the Israelites, God's people, they were, they were weak and they were unfaithful. And history tells us time and time and time again of their constant unfaithfulness. Yet God saves them and he seeks their best interests. So with the, the Ten Commandments, he gives them the basis of how to live how God intended for them. Ten Commandments are, are grace. Please don't read them as a, a set of rules that we like, I'm never going to achieve them. This grace of how God has set the standard, how God wants us to live our lives. I was reading once I was preparing for this, and it's kind of hard to actually think about this, but if you even just take a moment, imagine if everyone on this, world, on this earth started to follow and obey the Ten Commandments. We would live in such a better world. Life would be so much better. It would be so much happier. People would be protected. There would not be the, the constant worries and concerns that we would have. It would be so much better. And the best interest for, for their lives to worship is to worship God above all else. And that's why we have the first commandment before the other nine. And that is the exact same for us here in 2019. As, as God's story would un unfold, God's people would continue to forget what, about what God had done for them, which is just incredible. And they would continue to be unfaithful. They would continue to say, no God, no time for you. We're going to actually start to, to worship these idols. We're actually going to start to worship people. We want kings. We don't even want you as our, as our, as our ruler. So as was the plan all along, God would, would send the remedy. He would send not just some person, he would send himself to save his people. Jesus, God's son, would leave heaven and he would come to earth as clothed in, in human flesh. He would, he would live the perfect life. Jesus would faithfully keep, obey all 10 commandments, which you and I just simply cannot do. He would never slip up once and he would do this all so that he would be in a position to save his people. Jesus would have to sacrifice his life for the world, for their sins against God. Jesus hung on a cross for you, not because you deserved it, but because he loved you. Because he loved you. See, at the heart of the first commandment is love. When we decide to worship Jesus, when we decide to make him number one, we do so not as, as robots being told what to do, we do so because we have been loved by the God of heaven and earth. A love which, in truth, we really can't get our heads around. We actually, our words fail us once we try to detail how much God loves us. You are what you love. So what or who do you love? What is the, the first in your life? What thing, what person are you putting your hope in? I really want to say this, this genuinely. I don't want to come across as sort of harsh or, or inappropriate, but if you are living for something that is not the God of heaven who has created you, who has loved you as we've just seen and thought about, then, then please hear this with open hearts. You're, you are going to live a very empty and dissatisfied life. You might not realize that now, but one day you are. You are going to realize this. You'll run from, from idol to idol. You're going to try to find satisfaction from those things. 
from success, from relationships, from money, from sex, from many other things under, right across this world. And it'll either break you time and time again, you'll keep running to those idols, or it'll completely destroy you once and for all, or you'll realize that this was not what life was supposed to be. You're supposed to be a worshiper of your creator. And we all need to to hear this again. Jesus Christ, the son of God, incomprehensibly loves you. And his his matchless love is calling you this evening to, to worship him and to follow him. That might be for the very first time for someone tonight. That might be for the first time because tonight I'm sure there's some people here who are not Christians, who are outside of the the kingdom of God. But that might actually be for for some of us who are Christians. That might be for the hundredth or the thousandth time that we need to to hear that and we need to embrace that. You You are a born worshiper. You are what you love. And convinced that, that there are many people in this room and you're, you're chasing idols to, to find meaning in life, to get a, a trickle of satisfaction. And you're only going to wear yourself out. Please don't idolize your career, your educational success, your sporting ability, your popular, popularity, your social status, all good things, not bemoaning them. They're all good things. Please try your best in life. But don't idolize those things because you'll only be let down. You'll only be left broken. Come to the source of, of true contentment and satisfaction. Lay down your idols. Worship your creator. Worship the, the lover of your soul because he's worthy. He's worth it. And he'll give you true satisfaction and contentment. Let's pray. Father, we we come before you and with our hearts open before you, we ask that you would reveal, as maybe you already have, but that you would reveal to all of us the things that we we are clinging to, the things that we are confiding in, that we are turning into gods. Lord, we hear the truth contained within your word. And we realize that if we, if, we, if we live a life that will follow these things, that we will make these good things ultimate in our lives, they're going to break us. They're going to leave us isolated. They're going to leave us lonely, disappointed, dissatisfied. God, thank you for who you are. You're a God who has not left us on our own. Lord, you've created us, and, but you've loved us unbelievably. Lord, we can't even begin to get our heads around how much you love us. You love us that much that you would give us a way, a means of how to live life. Lord, thank you for, for these, these 10 commandments, these 10 words that tell us of how to live life, how to live a, a God-honoring life that will, will bring us closer to yourself, Lord. Lord, we don't put our, our hope in, in our, our obedience, our faithfulness. We put our hope in your faithful obedience and your faithful love to us. Lord, you're not the, the stern dictator that's far off. Lord, you're a loving Father who invites all of us, each one of us in this room, this entire world, to come to this source, you, 
the source of contentment and satisfaction, and you ask us to worship you. Lord, would you put the burdens, the things that are blocking us from doing that to the side? Would we have a desire and willingness to do that? And would we embrace a relationship with you? Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our very lives. Would we believe that? And would we live lives that testify to that? In his name, amen.